In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I want us to meditate together on the message of love, which is what the reading was about today. Love, love is like God, love is God. It's invisible, it's intangible. Your senses cannot physically perceive love. Yet you are aware of its overpowering presence. You can't put love on yourself, you can't wear it, nor can you measure how much of it you gave to one person or how much you lacked of it with another. You cannot make money out of love, you can't explain love perfectly, in spite of the best efforts to do so. Love is as joyful as it is painful. Love can make a king become a slave. And he can make a slave a king. This is the power of love. Love will deflate and annihilate the will of the most stubborn of people, and yet will give drive and purpose to the most lazy of people. Love opens the eyes of the blind, but it also blinds those with sight. Love can make a man dance on the clouds and fly to find gravity, but it can also become the weight on another person's shoulders, depriving that person not just of flight, but of, of any kind of movement. Love brings life to the lifeless, but it also will slay courageous men. Woe to him upon whom falls love, but how great is the man or woman who is built on love. Love can bring laughter and merriment to a soul, and it can bring tears to another. And because of that, no one can measure the value or worth of a tear. Indeed, what a paradox is love, what a mystery one of ecstasy and of sobriety. People fall on their knees to love. Love makes people accept what they usually couldn't accept and do what they wouldn't do. But it also rejects for others what would otherwise be accepted and refrain from things that freedom allows them to do. Love is like God because God is love. And even though we cannot physically see him, we see his effects. We see the works of love even if you can't visibly show love. Love is the most transforming power because love is creation and its creator. And this was what the church, the church of God, the Old Testament, the synagogue, and I would say often us today, forget about God. And we see from last night's gospel, and we see from the liturgical gospel, that people didn't want just love. That wasn't what they were looking for. They wanted a sophisticated system, right? The night before, you have a bunch of people testing him, and then even here, you see our Lord starting his gospel saying, thank you, God, and he sounds almost exasperated here. Thank you that you've revealed truth to these simple people, because these other sophisticated people aren't seeing the truth. Right? You have these Pharisees and lawyers who are the experts, right? who wanted the system. Their worship was of the system. They wanted order and they wanted their positions of authority to be maintained. So some people don't worship God, they worship sophistication or they worship the system. Other people worship their place in society or within the church, where they, they care mostly about maintaining their role 
right? And the assertion of their power. And still others want just miracles, right? We found that in another one of the readings. That's all that they want. They're not actually looking for love. They're looking for what can I, what can I get um, out of all of this. So a lawyer in the crowd today didn't like our Lord's emphasis on love. And he stood up to assert himself and make sure the whole world knew he was in the middle of this crowd that I'm the lawyer, I'm the expert. And it is clear that this was not a genuine question. That's why it was marked that he stood up and tested God. Because those who were genuine, God answered them. Nicodemus came to him, who was also a Pharisee, but he wasn't testing him, he wanted to know. And God gave him everything that he needed to know and didn't reject him. But here's somebody who was testing him. And he said, so exactly what is it that you think we're supposed to do? If you don't like our system, what do you think we're supposed to do? And our Lord didn't take the bait. Our Lord made him express what he claims to already know, but clearly wasn't practicing. And our Lord asked him, what is written in the law? How do you interpret the law? You're the lawyer, you're the expert, what does the law say? And the man turned around and said, it says to love God with your whole being and your neighbor as yourself. Right? On this is the whole law. So the man knew the words. He knew the words, just like we know the words. But clearly he wasn't doing it or he didn't get it. There was something missing from it. And the answer was love. Love is not romance. Love is not sex. Love is not being nice. Love is not affection. Love is self-denial. It's what it is. And we love God above all first. This was the first commandment. Because God is the only objective thing in existence. Outside of God, everything is relative. Outside of an absolute, nothing has absolute value. God is light. God is absolute truth. A system can only hold together if it is true. It's impossible for a system to stand if it's a false system. Because if it's built on something false, if it's built on a lie, it will be exposed. Lies are wrong foundations because they are lies. That lies mean something. It means it's not true. There's a weakness. So if God is the truth, then we have to love the truth. The truth is our objective measure that we're going to stand on. Otherwise, the whole system comes crashing down. If He is the truth, and we are, as He claims, in His image and likeness, then whenever we live according to a lie, whenever we live against that image and likeness, then we suffer. And love of neighbor comes second because it's a reflection of our love for him. And because the objective of my love of others needs to be in God. The end goal of every relationship of my life ought to be God. If the end goal of my relationship that I'm in is not God, it's either not going anywhere at all, or it's not going somewhere true. If it's not towards God, it's either a lie or it's stagnant. But something that is not directed towards God is, is, is false. When two people date, for example, they want to get married at some point. There's a direction. They're trying to go somewhere. When parents have kids, they want to direct them towards something. They want to raise them towards something. When people have friends, they want to grow in that friendship. People are not looking forward to things being static, right? Nobody is content to just sit there. So what is the direction of these things? Love, right? Love is, is God and God is love. 
to choose one another over yourselves. So love is simply one thing. It's to choose. It's to have something or someone else be more important than you. That's where the self-denial is, is that I choose something else over me. That's why you can love something more than another, is by choosing this thing more than another. Right, of saying that if I have this or this, I choose this, that's the thing that I love more. Because we tend to think that love is an affection thing. So if I chose this and not this, we're like, well, it doesn't mean I hate it. Well, in this case, it means you did, because you didn't choose it. So love is to choose. A person who has love means that this person's ego is less important than everything else. If I love others more than myself, it means that my ego is less important than everything else. It means that you are not jealous. Because if you are jealous, it means you think that you have more value than others. It means that you think you are more worthy of praise than others. It means that you are patient. Because if you are not patient, it means that you think your time is more important than others. Or that your stance is more important than others, because love is about choices. It would mean that you are long-suffering. Because if you are not long-suffering, it means that you think others are not worthy of your tolerance or patience or ability to withstand suffering. But in fact, that you are entitled to it over others, because it means that you think others should put up with you, but you're not able to put up with others. It means that you are kind towards others. Because if you are not kind to others, it means you see them as having less value than you, that they don't need to be receiving <laughs> kindness, but that only certain people can receive your kindness, if anyone at all. It would mean that you are humble. If you are not humble, it means that you think you are greater than you actually are, and that others have not reached your greatness. A person who is humble knows him or herself. They know not just their strengths, which is what most people like to focus on, but they also know their weaknesses, and they also know their shortcomings, and they also know where they lack perfection. It would mean that you are not arrogant, because if you are arrogant, it means that you think it's okay to put yourself before others. It means that you care more to tell people how good you are rather than to find out how good somebody else is. Right? It would mean that you look for the good in others rather than to look for the wrong in others and to proclaim that wrong. It means that you want to do what is right, because if you don't, it means that you think you're even more important than the truth. It should mean that you don't need your opinion to prevail all the time. A person who has love says that even if I have an opinion, it's okay that somebody else's opinion prevail over mine. I don't need to have the right opinion all the time. I don't need to have every single person hear my opinion. But that I'm willing to lay down my opinion for the sake of love, for the sake of someone else. It means that you are happy. Because a person who has love wants other people's happiness and other people's happiness makes them happy because they don't care that everyone be happy or sad based on their own mood. They want the whole world to be happy and if others, because they value others more than themselves, 
because there's love, I will be happy and rejoicing that other people are happy and rejoicing. I won't be that one person who insists on being unhappy when everybody else is rejoicing. A person who loves seeks to cover, not to expose. A person who loves is not somebody who looks around trying to make sure everyone knows how wrong someone else is. To point out where somebody has fallen, to point out where somebody is mistaken. Right? A person who seeks to do that, seeks to expose. And all of these are the things that we saw in our Lord. Right? Our Lord didn't walk around looking for a way to tell people off. Even though he had the authority to tell people off. Our Lord didn't walk around putting people in their place. Anybody who asked the truth, because we said the truth comes first, the love of God comes first, he spoke the truth. He spoke the truth in love. He didn't wait for people and pounce on them and tell them what they did wrong. So what is the gospel? It is love. Be meek. Turn the other cheek. Don't return evil for evil. Walk the extra mile. Lend without seeking payment. Deny yourself even in a lawsuit, even if you think you're right. Right? The Arabic captures it a little bit better than the English sometimes when they say, your truth is with me or your right is with me. Because it emphasizes that truth is the objective. Right? It emphasizes that rightness is the objective. Not me, not you. The truth. Right? The truth is what is, holds us because the truth is God. That's why we love God above all first. And we hold everything to the standard of truth. If we have love, we will change the world, right? If we have love, you'll be the person who walks around with a smile on their face because you're already dead to the world. Because a person who has love isn't waiting for anything, isn't expecting anything. That's perfect love. I don't have it, right? Only, only Christ, only our God has had it. But a person who expects nothing will rejoice in everything. A person who has such little, who cares about others more than themselves, will be wanting to give that little that they have. Right? Look at, there's a, there's a video I encourage you all to see that, that baffles me every time. There's a lady who, ironically, her name is Mabsuta. Um, her name means, means happy or being happy. And she lost everything. Everything. And she sits there, and she's so genuine. She's like, yeah, I lost my child. And she's like, but, but thank God. We barely have food. And she's being interviewed, and she's seeing this is not a big deal. I can send the video out as a link to you all um, from the church email. But she's full of love. She's full of love for God and love for others. And because the context is God, the objective of is God, she's not waiting for anything. She doesn't think she has a right to anything. And because she doesn't think she has a right to anything, she's not angry. We only get upset if we think that my right has been violated. But perfect love is to say, I don't have any rights because we all belong to one another. Right? And this is what our God emptied himself of. Our God as the sovereign God who had no need of existence. This is why we say our God is love. Made and created, and not made and created only, gave himself for that creation, died for that creation, and said, my rights as God don't even matter. My rights as your creator 
don't even matter. In fact, I'm not even going to compel you to return back the love to me that I give to you. This is the perfection of love. It gives and asks absolutely nothing in return. If you're asking for something in return, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, whether it's intellectual, it means that your love is not pure, right? We all have levels of love, right? But we should be seeking perfection. If I'm demanding something back, I don't have pure love. So I want us as an exercise to meditate on something and maybe even to write it down for yourselves when you go home, just as a reflection of where you are in love. Reflect, question number one, how much of your thoughts throughout the day revolve around yourself, right? Inventory your thoughts. Spend a few days paying attention to your thoughts and think and, and, and capture how much of that was, I need this, I want this, I'm thinking this, my opinion is this, that guy did this, this guy doesn't get me, this person doesn't understand me, I want, I need, I said, I will, all of those I things, keep an inventory of them. And then, how many of your thoughts throughout the day revolve around God? How much of your time did you actually try and communicate with God, as opposed to saying, I'm going to talk to God for my first 10 minutes at the end of the day and allocating God this 10 minutes and that's the only time I talk to Him. If we love God above all, right, which is what is the commandment, inventory, how much of the day do I spend thinking about Him? There's, there's signs that, I, that I've seen in, in Egypt that are, are nice because they're still a religious country, whether Muslim or, or Christian. SubhanAllah, right? Like your praise, O oh God. They'll have random signs right, on the highway that give praise to God, right, of saying how beautiful things are. It's saying make this part of your day, make it part of your drive. How many of you while driving and you see a beautiful sight, whether it's a rainbow or a sunset or a beautiful thing and say, Subhanakarab, how praiseworthy you are, O oh God, how beautiful is your creation. How many of you, when you witness a virtue, say, Oh Lord, how beautiful is, is your servant who's able to have patience, where I'm not able to have patience, right? How beautiful is this virtue? How many of us are thinking about God throughout the day? How many of your thoughts revolve around the well-being of others rather than the criticism of others? How many of you are thinking, oh, I remember so-and-so was tired. I should ask about that person. How many of you are thinking, I noticed that so-and-so hasn't been him or herself lately? I should see how they're doing, and suppose of me wanting to be loved and, and asked about, of me looking for that other person. How many of my thoughts are about these other people in a positive, constructive way, versus tallying all the ways in which others have wronged me, and where others have trampled on my rights? Because if my concern is how many rights I've been trampled on, like we said, it means I don't love. It means I'm defending my rights as opposed to laying down my rights. Inventory those. Inventory those, and that will be a good reflection to you of where you stand in terms of love. Ask yourself, how often are you angry or upset with others? Because if you are often angry or upset with others, it means, by default, that it means that you think 
you're entitled to something. It means you think that people owe you something and that they fell short of that thing that they owe you. If you didn't feel that way, you wouldn't be upset. Because the only kind of holy anger there is, is to be upset that truth wasn't proclaimed, but it'll be a truth for others, not for yourself. Right? You'll be upset that somebody else got an injustice. And you'll be mad at the injustice, you'll be angry at the injustice, you won't be mad at the person. Right? And you'll be working towards a solution. You won't be standing there to just point out how bad and how horrible and how angry and how awful the whole world is um, and what it is. If we think we are entitled to something and can't deny this something, then it means that I love me more than that something. Right? It's very, very simple. Love is extremely simple. It's simply, what do I choose? Do I choose me or do I choose somebody else? And if I choose me, it means that I love me more than others. If we inventory these things, myself included, because I am far, far, far from perfect love, right? Then you'll know what you need to work on. Because love is the summit of the virtues. And it's called the summit of the virtues because it means that the person has finally denied themselves in everything, right? Because every virtue is a denial of something, right? If I have self-control, it means that I'm not gluttonous. So I've been able to deny my appetite, right? So it's one kind of self-denial, right? Patience means I'm denying my quickness to something. Whereas love is to say all the things in which I can deny myself, I've attained and I've reached here. So if we do these inventories, you'll find out where you stand in sin and where you stand in virtue of what virtue it is that you need to do. Right? So it's not a negative thing, it's a positive thing. Because all of us, all of us are trying to work towards that perfection. And the promise of God is that if I deny myself, if I have love, this was his dying prayer for us in the Garden of Gethsemane, that if I have love, that he can come and dwell in me. And that the kingdom of heaven I will experience on earth, not just in the kingdom to come, but I will receive the kingdom of heaven on earth because God will dwell in me and give me power even over my mortal nature. May God grant for us to fulfill his dying prayer that we love one another even as he first loved us and that we lay down to the best of our ability our lives for one another so that we look for the, the life of the whole world and not for ourselves only. To him be glory now and always and to the age of all ages. Amen.